Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Resilience is really important. No matter the strides your organization has made or is making, I'd say know this with certainty, there will be roadblocks. Those roadblocks come in various shapes, forms, sizes, personalities, you know, within your organization, competing priorities, margin EBIT pressures, which, you know, oftentimes kind of really blind people from being able to think about sort of more longer term goals and requirements. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor at the GRC Institute. And today we're speaking to our Compliance Professional of the Year for 2022, Renee Williams. Hi, Renee. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kwame. Thank you for having me. And congratulations again. Thank you very much. I was um, really proud and uh, pleased to uh, receive the award this year. So we're going to talk a bit about you and your professional journey, and we're going to kick off the first question just like that. Uh, So tell me a bit about your professional journey into compliance. So like many who operate in the compliance space, I am also an actively practicing lawyer, and it was in private practice, uh, crazily to me, more than 20 years ago that my journey started. I've worked in top tier and boutique firms in Sydney, Hong Kong, London, and and Toronto, Canada, practicing in commercial litigation, corporate law, and competition and consumer law. And I've had some incredible experiences, including attending in response to to dawn raids uh, conducted by competition authorities and acting as defense counsel in two major abuse of dominance cases. Um, I've also worked in-house in Sydney, Toronto, and Michigan in the US. In Sydney, those roles included telecommunications for AAPT and on contract for Vodafone. In manufacturing, security, technology, and construction as general counsel and company secretary for Honeywell Pacific. And in manufacturing, distribution, and retail with Whirlpool Corporation, first as head of legal and regulatory in Canada, before being promoted to director commercial law North America in the US and most recently in retail and manufacturing as general manager, legal and compliance for Super Retail Group, whose brands include Super Cheap Auto, Rebel, Boating, Camping, Fishing, and MacPack. From a compliance perspective, um, there are a few experiences that stand out to me along my journey that have influenced how I personally think about compliance. First, and honestly, I think the most important one for me was a product liability matter I worked on while I was an associate at Cause. Cause acted for a defendant in a matter that was frankly a slam dunk for our client. However, while acknowledging our advice that as a matter of law, the client had discharged its duty of care and really didn't have anything to answer for, uh, the client was genuinely interested in understanding better what else it could have done so that the plaintiff understood the instructions and warnings regarding the use of the product. Um, it really stuck with me because we went through different processes in the in the litigation procedure that were really designed to get more detailed information. And the client did that with full expectation and intention of settling and, and paying the plaintiff's costs, notwithstanding that there wasn't a liability there. And it was because their code of conduct put first their patient and they really lived true to that um, ethos and and effectively, that was sort of my first taste of a company living a a version of compliance that was more than just complying strictly to the law. 
Uh, and to me, that really showed what a, com- a values-led compliance culture looked like. And, and ultimately, that company became kind of the beacon toward where I wanted my career to go. Next, I think, was a matter I was involved in defending an individual accused of price fixing. Um, now, this individual was guilty, but genuinely had no idea that the conduct he was engaged in was legal. It was just how things were done in his day. And I remember as if it was yesterday, the tears that that man shared when the penny kind of dropped for him, that what he had done was in fact illegal. And I think what stayed with me was the need to reserve judgment the imp- and the importance of empowering people and organisations with the information they need to understand the law, their obligations and what they need to do to comply. This was a genuine case, genuinely, where, you know, a small organisation just didn't understand the rules of the game and and, and so broke, the, broke those rules with pretty dire consequences. And then I think the last sort of really influential moment for me from my, on my compliance journey was my time at Whirlpool and the mentorship and friendships I forged, in particular with two ladies in the the legal and compliance team and with the VP of sales. So uh, first, Sarah Horbath, um, who really brought compliance to life with her interactive training and who had gained the trust and the ear of the sales team. And second, it was Kimmy Upchai, who joined after I did and joined as the global chief compliance officer and frankly ran a daily masterclass on the importance of the power of empathy how to build followership and how to harness innovation in compliance. That's excellent. So you've got like diversity of industries, um, obviously many different countries and international experience. I I really liked those stories you told, you know, an interesting one of your first values led experience in the company, but also the with the individual you mentioned where they genuinely didn't realize they were breaching that that ethos that you know that breaches happen and I guess the real thing is what do you do once you know that the breach has happened how do you I guess remediate that and it sounds like that was a genuine attempt in the end to to sort of fix that mistake um absolutely so tell tell me a bit about how and I I think you probably could go on for ages here but tell me a bit about how all these different experiences industries and working in other jurisdictions have you know how have you benefited from that so recently I've had a, a uh, some opportunity to think about this and I would say exposure and challenge really is sort of the benefit so exposure to and challenge from different ways of thinking uh, different systems laws values and expectations exposure to opportunities and challenges on a significantly larger scale and an accelerated time frame relative to Australia so both qualitatively and quantitatively so the size of contracts and um, the, the the dollar value of risk of compliance breaches, for example, in the US, when you know, you're advising and working with a business that's 12 billion US a year, <clears throat> pretty different to anything that's really on offer in Australia in the retail scale. Unless you're, you know, obviously there are a couple of the the grocery um, retail outlets, but otherwise, it's kind of hard to find something equivalent. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I've smiled about a little bit since I've returned to Australia is kind of the concept of e-commerce, digital privacy, and you know, those sort of issues that we were grappling with when I was at Whirlpool now more than 10 years ago. Um, so 
you know what what that does is sort of set you up for a different type of thinking where um, you can kind of see a little bit ahead of the game um, because you might have experience dealing with it uh, already uh, from past past experiences and then exposure to a broader pool of mentors to learn uh, and gain inspiration from uh, and I think that last one has been really critical uh, and key to me and while you know I'm a human and I didn't always catch the lesson in the moment. Um, I am a big fan of reflection. And I do genuinely look back with pride the depth of the lessons I was able to mine and polish from my time outside of Australia, particularly around the importance of resilience. I had to re-qualify. I did that while I was pregnant with my first child. I had to sort of restart again, you know, from kind of articles. And so at the time, it didn't feel great, but I think on reflection, sort of building that resilience of a new environment, understanding and sort of being humble enough to say, okay, well, this isn't the same as what I've done before, so let's go. And then the inherent value of sort of having a genuine spirit of curiosity, particularly in the compliance space, is something that I, you know, I really think my time overseas benefited from. Oh, that's amazing. And I like what you said about, you know, not always being able to see the lesson in the moment, but being able to reflect back and seeing that how you benefited from that. And I, I guess that leads beautifully into the next question about advice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes there sometimes you have people along the way and you've already mentioned a few a few people and organizations you worked at where you may have gotten some good advice. And then sometimes there are times when you wish you got some advice and you had to learn it <laughs> yeah. the hard way. So what is some good advice you may have received along your professional journey or what is some advice you wished you'd received along your journey? Advice I I probably did receive it but maybe not this clearly or maybe I, I wasn't ready for it but it's know your worth. So appreciate what you bring to the table at your organisation. Know your worth to the organisation you are working for or with if you're on an advisory or consulting basis. And know what you are willing to compromise on and know what you're not. So know what your non-negotiables are. I think that's really important, particularly in a compliance space. And particularly if you're a compliance professional that has prioritised working with an organisation that is based on a values-led compliance and not um, compliance to the law only. So that would be sort of the first piece of advice that maybe I wish I was given a little more clearly because um, sometimes it can be a bit, bit of a hard one to, to remember in the moment. The second piece of advice which Kim Yapchai gave me was a version of compliance doesn't have to be lonely. And, you know, I think it can feel lonely within your organisation at times. You know, often times you are giving advice that may be perceived as making things harder. Um, you might not see it that way, but the business who's time poor may. Um, but the compliance community is incredibly generous. And so GRCI is a good example of that. Um, so yes, there are issues and challenges that will be unique to your organization, but the higher order issues that are framework and policy management, training approaches, systems challenges, those are all issues that we are all facing into on a daily basis. And compliance peers, in my experience, tend to be more than willing to share their experiences, challenges, lessons learned, make connections to others that might be facing into a, a similar issue of the day. Uh, and so really I'd encourage um, listeners to think about how they can tap into the compliance community more generally um, and 
and take from and give back to that community because I think that helps make compliance feel more like a family and less less sort of like the lonely function off to the side. Within your organisation, additionally, I would say sort of think beyond your immediate compliance function. You may be a function of one or two. Um, you, your function, which is common in my experience, might be an adjunct to you, the legal team <clears throat> or the risk team. Um, so maximise those relationships within your sort of broader functional group, but also across functions and cross-functionally because that's, the, that's where you need to operate. Um, build relationships up and down because that not only extends your team, but it's also essential to your ultimate goal of embedding a culture of compliance. Uh, so that would be number two. The third and last I'd say is assemble your own personal board of directors. And that's one from Colleen Alberston, who was actually the head of the company, the recruitment agency I worked for when I was requalifying. Obviously I couldn't practice as a lawyer for that period. So I was uh, acting as a recruiter, international recruiter for lawyers in Canada. And what she sort of said to me was, you know, you'll come across people whose perspectives or experiences you value, you find interesting, you know, maybe you'll work for them or with them, you might sit next to them at a conference, a GRCI conference or a dinner party, you might share a table at the local coffee shop or do a course together. So if you get the idea, but be alert and be aware. And just like an organisation benefits from a board of directors with varied experiences, skills, qualifications, you as an individual can benefit from a board or a panel of advisors. This advice I've actually taken pretty seriously. Um, and it's advice that I've benefited from, whether it be sort of career advice, advice dealing with a particular issue at work, a request for an introduction. I think it's really key and, and sometimes we don't take the time to invest in ourselves, but it is true that people are willing to help you, more than willing to help you. And, you know, I think if most of us reflect on it, it feels good to help somebody else. Um, and so if you think about it from that perspective, why wouldn't you give someone else that chance to help help another when, when you know how good it feels yourself to do that for someone? And it doesn't have to be a big burdensome moment. Um, it's, it's just an opportunity just to check in and say, hey, I'd like to get your views on X or Y. And I probably have five or six people on my uh, on my personal board of directors. That's really good. Well, so we, we've talked about uh, a lot about the importance of empathy, reflection, um, just being aware and that collaboration, you know, that sharing and, and getting from others. Uh, so last question, you know, as the Compliance Professional of the Year for 2022, what are some of the core skill sets that you think creates the ideal compliance professional? Well, the ideal compliance professional is a pretty high bar. Um, but if, if we say effective, a resi resilience is really important. Um, no matter the strides your organisation has made or is making, I'd say know this with certainty, there will be roadblocks. Um, those roadblocks come in various shapes, forms, sizes, personalities, you know, within your organisation, competing priorities, margin EBIT pressures, which, you know, oftentimes kind of really blind people from being able to think about sort of more longer term goals or requirements, resource constraints. So those can be dollars, people, time, all of the above, uh, organisational inertia often in the form of this is how we've always done it, right? And you need to sort of unpack that and demonstrate why 
notwithstanding, it could be something that we still might want to think a little bit about. So I think resilience would be my number one because you need to be able to protect yourself to protect your organisation. The second is patience and sort of similar reasons, you know, it takes that there will be roadblocks and it takes time to understand the cultural pulse of your organisation. It takes time to develop a fit for purpose program. You know, there isn't a lift and shift. So you can learn, obviously you can learn from your experiences at other organisations. But what I would say is you still need to ask sort of the why questions to get get a better understanding of what it is that you're dealing with, how people really feel about various issues, kind of what's worth the what's worth it, you know, is that juice really worth the squeeze and, and what's it going to get from a cultural or compliance uh, perspective. So I think, you know, being being realistic about, about the time that that's going to take. And it takes time, most importantly, to develop relationships and build followership. So I'd say be hungry to help your organisation do better, but also be clear with yourself and your leadership that true change takes time. So be patient and breathe. <laughs> That's my advice. And then uh, natural curiosity. I'd say it's, I've got four. So third is natural curiosity. I'd say in all of my professional roles, someone, whether or not it's sort of a manager, a client, a colleague, has commented on how genuinely curious I am. And, you know, I think that's one of the, I do think it's something that differentiates me from other from others. I am just genuinely curious. And I ask why all the time. So not the Simon Sinek esoteric why, you know, like find your purpose why, but the garden variety why of seeking to understand how organisations, BAUs, processes work. So this simple question when asked genuinely and without any preconceived agendas or sense of entitlement or that, you know, you don't want to give people the impression that you're asking and it's a trick because you know the answer or you know better. But if asked just simply and genuinely, it has served me incredibly well, allowed me to get a quick handle on new industries new processes, personalities, politics, and has allowed me to help identify opportunities to remove waste from processes, and in so doing, reduce opportunities for error and compliance risk. So I think being curious, if you're lucky enough to be naturally curious, that's great. Caution is just to make sure other people know that that's what's going on. I actually always preface, I've learned the hard way, so I preface it with, I am just genuinely curious. I'm not asking you to trap you. I'm going to say why, because I just want to understand how you do your role and how you are successful. Uh, that tends to help. Uh, otherwise, people can feel a little bit under attack. And then the last one is empathy. Fundamentally, I genuinely believe that we are all trying to do our best. Business isn't black and white. Choices aren't black and white compliance isn't black and white. I mean, one of the key things that every compliance professional needs to get a handle on is what flavour of compliance have you been hired uh, to implement? You know, is it is it a um, garden variety compliance with the law? Is it values-led compliance? Is it something in between? Uh, you know, that. And so that's a question that really, where, where you get these fuzzy questions, you need to have empathy with others because it's not always easy to understand. So I say suspend judgment, create a safe space for discussion, 
be a trusted advisor. Um, let people know that you're on their side. You're not there to trap them. You're there to help them. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Renee. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute, and the music was produced by Rob Neary.